Thank you, Lord. We are happy, Lord, to be in the house of God today. Father, you are the great God, the almighty God, the only God, the true and living God. And through Jesus Christ, you have given us this ability to live another life beside the human life, the God life. A divine entrance into us has allowed us to be happy, whole, Lord, helpful, no longer hurting, but we, Father, winning. We are grinning because we're so glad that we have you. For this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So everybody want to tell you right now, there's every reason to lift yourself up today. I don't know what you've been through. Maybe you are hurting. Well, we're here to help you today, lift you today. Quickly share with a friend because I got something to say from God. A little, little bit of me mixed in it too, but it's going to help you tremendously. I am happy to, to be here today to give you something outside of the media, the media information that the, just the whole, the, just a, uh, how can you, it's storming, like it's like a bull rush of, of information and, and there's a lot of things being said and stuff going on out there, but it's good to hear, I want to just hear God. You know, you, the clutter that's in our heads, I want to hear God. I'm here today, I've got 40 minutes maybe, maybe a little less maybe. Um, I just want something that's going to lift me, give me life, give me Christ, give me direction. You know, amen. Okay, good to see you today. And all those online as well, that um, for some reason, it's good to have you, that you're wherever you are, but it's good to be together live live and online is the way to go um, but I love being and seeing faces and smelling sweat <laughs> that's not because you didn't have a shower it's because we're pretty active sometimes but you know it's all good okay thank you team well they're gone throw away your sticks be healed in Jesus name all right let's go have a seat everybody one more clap and shout. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You clap your hands, all your people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. All righty. I am coming to you today at a favourite. After all, in these latter days, the radical revelation of King David will be returned in our, our time. Did you know that? Acts chapter 15 says, In the last days... God is going to take something from way back in David's day. Say David's day. Would be relevant today. So the radical revelation that David moved in was very powerful. And it's the church today, you know, I don't know if they're prepared for this. I am. I'm ready to go. You know, whatever God wants. But I've got something here that's going to help us today. It was talk about turnarounds and, and um, breakthroughs, but this is more specifically, I want to talk about three types of people that will sabotage your greatness and they will sabotage your biggest moment in your earthly life. Did you get all that in one big mouthful? There are three types of people. I say this because I'm not aiming at the people, but the demons that speak through people. Did you know God speaks through people? I'm speaking now, and hopefully most of it is from God. Um, but also demons need a body, a mouth, 
to speak through. I want you to be aware of this because people who are friends and family even, and don't be you know, alarmed because we've all been led to believe if someone's got a devil, they're gonna be in an asylum, you know, wrapped up and back and chained up and handcuffed and put in a, a psychiatric, well, that's not true. Demons can just be slightly used out of somebody's mouth. I mean, it's demonic when somebody says, here, take this pill, it will take you out of this life, you know. Here, have another drink while you're drunk. That's pretty, that's not, that's evil. Or, you know, we might as well take our life, you know, that's coming out of somebody's mouth. That's not exactly God speaking through them. It's not even a good human being speaking through them. It's come from somewhere else. We weren't made we were made to speak things that take others down. No human, that's not native to us. Adam was born, his native ear was faith, hope and love. It's gone wrong when we went away from Christ, that's the truth. And it changed our language, we got foul language, foul thoughts. And people hurt one another and say horrible things. So I want to pick up on today, and here's a good message because... It comes from the day of David, because we're in those days. So we're going back there again. It's well known, you're gonna say, oh, I know this. Well, no, I always come with something new, something fresh, something revealing. Three types of people to watch out for, but it's what they speak, because you won't be able to identify the people. You'll only know when you hear them through their mouth. All right, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter, I'll read these scriptures first, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 23, the famous passage. Probably the biggest battlefield occasion of, in all history is that of David and Goliath. Then as he talked with him, this is before he actually went on to have the actual fight itself. This was the actual pre-fight stuff was probably more important than the actual fight itself. You, you, you're hearing me? The actual fight itself between David and Goliath may have been all over in, within a matter of, a, of two minutes. <laughs> he spent a good two hours in the pre-fight pre thing that was the difference between him, or, him losing or winning. Okay, so that's what I'm talking about. So within the context of what I'm talking about, there are three major characters that give indication to these types of spirits and people that can sabotage your big day. If it could, it could have sabotaged David actually getting to the battlefield. It's a combination of watching what's been said out of a mouth, but it's also a combination of you having the right substance to be able to avoid the sabotage. I don't want to lose my biggest moment in life. And here's something I wanna tell you, you have yet to come to the biggest moment in your life. You have not arrived. Go on, tell somebody you have not arrived. No, your best is still in front of you. Come on, your best. I thought I've had some big days in the past. A lot of days I can forget, but my best is still up in front of me. And as Today said, my birthday's on the 2nd of February. And, um, oh no, sorry, he was talking about his in November. So I'll be reaching some of those parts of my life where everybody's talking about retiring. You know, I'll probably, you gotta understand this, your best days are still in front of you. And it's not back. It's not a minute ago and back. If your past 
can be left alone. And if you have to take from it, take the best parts. Leave the rest. Leave the bad. Just take the, take the good ones and leave the rest. But your future is far finer than what's behind you. And I'm looking forward to what today holds. This afternoon. Tonight. Woo, tonight. Okay, Monday's coming. Tuesday, next week's coming. Month, year. Some of that stuff's already sorting through my mind and my heart. I'm already in October next year in some ways. <laughs> and on the way, I'm traveling around. You're allowed to travel in the future. Go, go and transport yourself with mind and thing. At least have some contribution to shaping your future. Don't sit there and let everybody else do it for you. Well, that's good stuff already. We can say amen and go home. Get into your future. Shape it for you. You can have some positive contribution to your tomorrow. You're not a victim to whatever life tries to chuck at you. Fight back and change some of it before tomorrow comes today. Change it today. How does that work? Well, you can stop having a horrible life if you're on drugs. Stop today, tomorrow gets better. I've got depressive thoughts. Stop your depression now and tomorrow you won't commit suicide. Stop now being up and down in life and start getting steady and disciplined. Then your tomorrow's gonna bring you a lot more than what you've been getting from here back. This is good stuff. I am not controlled by your opinions. Whatever other people say, I can hearing, but I'm not listening. If it's no good for me, it goes in one ear and out the other. I don't have to listen to everybody. You don't have to listen to everybody. What affects me most is me. And that's how it should be. God didn't make you so everybody else could control you, pull you around from here and there. God didn't make you so you'd be affected by everybody else's moods. If they got a mood, too bad for them. They can have their moo all by themselves. I'm not buying into your mood. Isn't that good? You're sad, but I'm going to keep smiling. I'm not going to be sad with you. <laughs> it's good. Now, okay. So, back to David. That's where I got it. So what you got there was a part of what he's got. Then as he talked with them, that was all of the soldiers now. Don't forget Israel. We're on the banks. The finest army probably in the, the day in that time. You, the Israeli army was much like the Israeli army today. They were a crack force. Fine soldiers. Saul was no slug. Don't think they're just all wasters and losers. These guys knew how to fight. But the added advantage is they had God for them. So I find it absolutely uh, despicable and unexplainable why they'd be frozen in fear on the bank. Because of this monster Goliath who for 40 days now is bellowing. And the word's very clear. The one thing he wanted was, we will rule over you. <laughs> Man, here's some parallels coming now. Yeah, I know your mind's going there. And let it be, because we've been ruled over by a monster 
This, this tyrant, by the way, I've told you time and again, the giant Nephilim, that they were a part of that race, Goliath, the, the render of the Hebrew is actually, first of all, bully. That's the word you find that, that means these giants, Nephilim, bully, then tyrant. <laughs> God, we got, we got some around the globe. We've got one right out in our backyard who's the bully of all those other bullies in the world. Our Glaber government is the worst bullying government, not only in our history, but maybe the whole world's history. The world media is starting to say, what's wrong with New Zealand? And then they're saying now, what's wrong with you, New Zealanders? Because we're letting this happen. And it hasn't got better, it's getting worse. Sexualizing five-year-old kids at school? How much more do I need to say? I mean, I'm talking to the, to the, to the converted in here, but Kiwis, you've got to wake up. You cannot just keep hopping in your car in the morning and thinking you're happy because you've got your job and your money and your batch. That's got to stop. Our country's wrecked already. We're on, a, we're on a salvation redeeming mission. I'm telling you now, Destiny Church is not a church that's going to sit quiet and stay in our four walls. We're here to save our country, to save our future, to save our generations. You can't, now I don't understand because here is David, he comes to the battlefield, he talks to, to them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath, that's what I talked about, by name, coming up from the armies of Philistines, he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. You've got to watch out what, what words. This is probably the most powerful thing. I'm jumping ahead because Goliath is one of the three characters. Can I intersperse it? I won't go in order. I want to go in a revelatory order, <laughs> not an education order. So the third person of the three <laughs> is Goliath. Now, psychologically, his whole bellowing for 40 days was a narrative of control and psychologically dispersing fear. Isn't this the parallels? It's not like this is following what's happening. They are following what happened here. That's the same old spirits. The same spirit that work, is working in this battle situation is the same spirit that's working in our political institutions across the world. They've used mainstream media, modelers, and spin doctors, those three. They're all mouthpieces to disseminate and disperse fear in the hearts of the citizens of that country. That's what they've used them for. They should be used to be actually delivering the news, some of them, modeling positive stuff, and spin doctoring. Let's just be transparent, open, and honest instead of spinning stuff. So he, he's bellowing fear because the Philistines said very clearly, we're here to subjugate you. We want to render you powerless so that you lose all your fight. Weaken your resolve to stand up to anything and then we, you be our slaves. That's what the Philistines, that's what Goliath was representing from another nation or another political power. They wanted to take over this Israeli or God's people. So there was a couple of factors in this. It wasn't just con conquering the country to have conquest, conquest's sake. It was a political move 
to bring about a ideological or a belief from false gods onto another nation that believed the true God. Oh man, I'm saying something here. So that's exactly what's happened in the world today with globalism, multi, multi, multiculturalism. I'm talking about um, the whole thing of, of people being mixed and brought around the world, moving from countries that are riddled with false gods. Now, under the guise of being helpful and you know, courteous and reaching out with compassion is what we do. And we never forsake. There's no people that we are against. We love all people. But I don't agree with the gods that are outside the true God, the one true God. We're talking about, you know who we're talking about? Yahweh. We're talking about Adonai, Elohim. I'm talking about Jesus Christ as the total and final manifestation of the names of God, the great I am. So when you talk about that, He's the only God. There's no other gods beside Him. So whatever God you're into, whatever belief you're into, I'm telling you, it's wrong. It's false. <laughs> so no, I don't tolerate false beliefs. I, I reach to you as the person. I love you, but I don't agree or accept if you have that belief, right? So that's not hate. It's not hate speech. It's truth speech. Hate speech is not truth speech. Truth speech isn't hate speech. So when I speak the truth, it can never be hate. He was bellowing a message of fear. That fear got into the best army in the world. They were the best in the world. They had God with them who is the only God. I don't, I don't know what happened. And this is a word to say that because you're a church or a Christian, it doesn't mean to say that you're um, safe or inoculated against the spirit of fear. Getting into your life and actually becoming the actual enemy to what you should be fighting against. You become a friend to. You become an enemy to those who are fighting against the enemy and you become a friend of the enemy fighting against those who were your friends or are your friends. <laughs> Did you get all that? So that spirit I'm, I'm talking about now, number three, I'm going backward. <laughs> Goliath comes in the form, don't think of the monster, it's, it's a big one. The big one is it actually takes whole groups and communities and races and segregates and then puts fear into their heart and enslaves them. He made it clear the Philistines wanted to make the Israeli uh, nation their slaves. It was clear in the beginning in, in Samuel. The fight's nothing to do about a little fella beating a big fella. Although the story's great about underdogs and go all that. The whole story is about who was going to control who. And he said it very clear, if I beat your best, your champion, you be our slaves. Clear, period, nothing else in it. We'll rule over you, we'll control you, and we'll make you slaves. Now, David knew from history, this was deja vu. We've been through this before. And he is saying here, I am not going back to my forefathers' enslavement to another political power of the day 
the pharaohs and the mighty Egypt. They enslave my brothers and sisters and my family and my, and my whakapapa or my, my ancestors. They enslaved them for over 430 years and they literally drained the life out of them. They drained their belief, their self-belief. They drained their fight out of them. They almost drained God out of them. Never capitulate to the advance of somebody who wants to control your life. You were born free, you shall die free. Go on, clap. Now, here's, here's what happens here. He says, I'm not going back to that. I'm not going back to the 400 years of slaves. So they made his people slaves. They literally, they got to a point. See, after a while, when you, you are under something, you're a slave to something that you are not free to be you. They're, unfortunately, people don't know it. You're living it long enough. You know, you... A lie believed long enough becomes a truth. And so what happens, it causes you to actually feel like you are okay. You feel like you're free, like New Zealand does now. They think they're free, they're not. So what it does, it has a lot to do with taking away so much out of you that it literally causes you to stoop. You literally are bent over. And it's, and it's basically, first of all, reflected in a posture, in a presence, in a feel. Before you actually know about somebody's history, you usually see it. If you're discerning enough, you can see. You can feel the presence of something or the lack of presence or a type of presence. You, you will feel me first and see me first before you probably will hear me. And, and this, those things are very important. So David is talking about these things now, about these men of Israel. Have you seen this man who comes up and he defies Israel and so forth? Now, we'll just stop there and I'm going to talk about this a bit here. Because in 400 years of actual slavery, they, they now have lost some very valuable parts about your life beside losing contact with God, which is the worst. But what, what makes this really bad is there's something in between that keeps you, it keeps you connected to God and connected to yourself. So, in Leviticus, I think we'll just jump there, 26.13, Salori. I'll just go jump there. I hope I get this finished with it. I, the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. He's reminding them now, remember how you got yourself into an entanglement with slavery. You lost your way, that you should not be their slaves. I have broken the bands of your yoke, and I've made you walk upright so he's dealing with their actual posture before their purpose again you can't really fulfill your purpose properly unless you have the posture proper and I'll, I'll explain that in the moment because 
this, this is what he's doing. He is actually doing a, a self-belief job before they can get to a God belief again. It is hard for you when you're so small to be in touch with such a big God. A lot of Christians are overwhelmed by what they think is the bigness of God and the, the uh, um, probably the, the outrageous demands, they think, to try to keep that. So they'll come back into themselves and they'll negotiate to a lower form of Christianity. And there are so many like that now that it has become the collective way of living and it just lives in the atmosphere. So that when a Christian is actually walking like Jesus, talking like Jesus, they are looked at as being radical or wrong. Like for instance, most Christians think that you shouldn't be controversial and that's why they have problems with me. But the fact of the matter is, you're supposed to be controversial. I ask them, what's, who, what's the Jesus you're following? Because what you are living does not match up with what I see how he lived. Everywhere he went, he was polarizing. Every town he went, he polarized them. He said, you're either for me or against me. Is that not polarizing? He didn't say, hey, let's just smoke a peace pipe together. And um, I know you don't like my style, but okay, well, let's talk about it over a while. Can we establish a committee meeting? So get a few of the elders, we'll get together and we'll have a board meeting. Or we'll call it a trust meeting. Trust members. (laughs) See, I'm attacking all the problems in society. And Jesus said, well, let's talk about it because I want to win you guys. We want to be all together in this. Nobody should be over, no, I should, we should all just be, no leaders. Let's be leaderless. Do you see Jesus hiding in behind the people and coming from the back and, you know, hiding in the the house next door and sending messages by text to his 12 apostles? Because he's afraid that the people might say, we don't want a leader. No, Jesus was out in front. Front and center. Oh yeah, he was right there in front. He did not back back and say, let's share leadership. He, no, everybody knew he was the leader and he had 12 other leaders with him called apostles and he called them leaders too. He didn't call them a board, a committee or a group who will chat about things. No, 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 no. He said, watch me, follow me and I'll teach you how to be like me. Then you teach the others how to be like you and you pass it on like that. But that, that the whole dynamic, you gotta watch what you you know, because he's not coming in peacefully. If you're for me, then I know you're not against me. If you're gathering, then you're not scattering. Or how he said it, if you're, if you're not gathering, you're scattering. You know, it's very clear what he's saying here. I, I am saying very, very openly and honestly that if you don't get this right, your purpose and what the church wants to do and what you want to do in, in your life, just on a level of cost of living, you know, having food, having clothes and house. You should never have to worry about that. No Christian should be worried about shelter, clothing, money, and, and you know, uh, having the necessities of life. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not being disrespectful or anything like that. Jesus said, do not worry about what? Water, food, clothing, and house. If you start worrying, that means you don't trust God. So you will have trouble getting food, clean water all the time, or a a house, 
and owning it and having decent, nice clothes and your kids enjoying the blessings of that and going to a decent school <laughs> and have it all that, you know what I mean? You worry wart, stop it. That's what God's doing, saying, trust me. He said, even a sparrow gets fed every day and it finds shelter. It never pays a cent for its food, by the way. A sparrow never pays any tax. He doesn't pay any, doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't pay a cent. He doesn't even pay for the house he didn't build, but he builds nests all through the best mansions. He raises his little wee chickens in the best heat and the, under the shelter of a home. He didn't even have any contribution to. He got it all for free. He got all his food for free. He got all his air and water for free. You look at me and say, this is stupid. Jesus used the sparrow as an example for your stupidity. <laughs> I have to talk like this. He said, look at the sparrow. He, he must, sometimes he must have been frustrated. See, if we worried less about your money, you were never told to worry about money. The only thing we're told about money is, It'll come to you. Seek you first the, and what? All those other things that you're worried about will what? Come to you. Why chase what is already coming to you? That's stupid. You're going to pass it on the way to you. Here comes a great big truck backing up with all your money, your house, and you're running past it because you're trying to chase it. And it's saying, hold on here, where are you going? I'm backing up in your, in your house and, and I'm going to dump this all here. It's for you. Yeah, I know. It doesn't work like that, you think, on earth. It's really great, Brian, talking this stuff. But, you know, the faith thing, I can't. It's not going to come out of the sky. Excuse me? <laughs> you are such an unbeliever. All right. He gets them to walk high. He's dealing God is dead. He says, I bring you and I break your bands. And I says, I cause you to come out of your slavery stoop, your stoop of slavery. They're, these were God's people, but they had a slave mentality. I've met a lot of believers and Christians who don't walk upright. I'm not talking about the righteous upright. I'm talking about the posture upright. I meet them all the time. You know what? I've said this time and again. People don't have problems with my purpose. They have problems with Brian Tamaki's posture. That's what they have problems with. And I'm going to explain this a little bit more. I have to come back at this because people say, the church is great. You guys have done great work with, with Man Up and Legacy. In fact, you've been in 40 years. You, you and your wife got four generations. You're not a drug dealer. You're not a murderer. You don't steal. You're actually doing a whole lot of good. How come we hate you so much? It's almost defies the intellectual prowess of the so-called academics who talk like this and other people who have been through university who are talking like this because it's so dumb that if you look at the tree that is so blessed and abundant and yet you're putting a narrative out that, that don't trust us, excuse me, so then you know it's not about the purpose. People, Christians, acknowledge that the work we do are great, but, and the but is the posture. It's the disposition. And, and I'm going to talk a lot about this right now.
Because when David came to the battlefield, what he did was strut his stuff. That's all he did. He strutted his stuff. He strutted his stuff. He did not become one of them. He did not live up to the image of the Israeli or the religious institution or the Christian gatherings or the sinners or anybody else. He came entirely based on his own resume, which was in the backyard of a desert. He was a shepherd boy. He was a farming farmhand who had spent a lot of time with God, sharpening his skills, revelatory skills. He had very few human voices in his head. <laughs> I'm telling you, social media is messing you up. And, and so, and he had very few voices from the whanau, the family and his friends. The only voice he had was God's and his own inner voice. So what he does is he realizes he's more than what he believes because he's got nobody around him to tell him who he isn't. So there's a purpose in why God withdrew the young man away from the house of Babel and brothers talking, Christian religious talk, and all his brothers were high and mighty. They had status and they were brought up in the house of great, great um, ancestral links. And we are, the, we are the ones who know the Bible. We're the religious ones. We are attached to the anointing that comes from Samuel and our father's house. But David was not amongst them. And it's not because they made the decision that David should be out there. God orchestrates some things that you get frustrated about. Things that you think are not what I want and this is not normal. It doesn't fit in with the crowd. It doesn't fit in with the day. You know what God's doing? He's probably, He's, he's helping you get to a place where you're going to find yourself getting developed. And He does not want you with certain associations. Now I'm gonna say some things that might rock your boat. To others, I could blow your boat up. But sometimes your best friends are not your closest friends. <laughs> David first walks on there and he walks into the scene, the battlefield, right? And the first contact he has is now I'm jumping back to Watch out for person number one is what? His older brother called Eliab. Don't forget he had three brothers, Abinadab and Shammah. Three big religious, growing up in the house of Christians, Christian household, were on the battlefield, frozen with the same fear that came from the third man or the type of person, a Saul. So here they go. Watch out for a nasty Eliab. Watch out for the stings that come from a Saul and beware of gaslighting from Goliath. Oh yeah, this is good. Just let me hop back in here. He walks onto the battlefield, right? And when David comes, he, he has something that these other ones don't. They have all the same purpose. They know that it's about God. 
And I'll prove it to you in a moment because David answers his older brother after the brother begins to give him a dressing down. He comes back and he says, is there not a cause, brother? Is there not a cause? Is there not an assignment? Aren't we, and don't we know that we're here for a mission for God? That's about it. Period, full stop. We're not here about the sheep farm. We're not here about the money we gold we got back home. It's not about our nice house where we grew up in. It's, not, it's, it's all about completing what God wants done through me and you. That's what He says. Now, when He comes to Eliab, Eliab looks at him and says, Oh, you, 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 you know, nosy little fellow. He said, now he belittles him. He said, you should be back with those sheep. <laughs> His status coming in here now. He's, he's working on what Goliath does too, and all of them. In fact, Saul's better. He taxes him, uh, he give, tries to put some inferiority in him. Inferiority means that when you feel their state are less, lesser in the company of others, your status and your, your standing is not as the same quality as others. In other words, you might be brown, you could be of a certain race, you might be white, but um, not living with the other whites, because the whites do hold the class status position. Some Maoris have crept in there now and become elites as well. Some Pacific Islanders have been in there too, and some other Jews and Greeks and all sorts of people. So it's not just one, but uh, it has shaken itself down to a point where groups are identified collectively and what sort of status they have financially, right? educationally, and their social standing. Those three. There you go. Now, what he was doing was saying, you are inferior. When he says, what are you doing here? In other words, you don't belong in an army. You're not up to it. You're not a soldier. You haven't trained with us. You don't belong here. Oh boy, this is a great, great message. This is telling you right now, never let yourself be told, mostly by you, but watch out for Eliabs in your life that will try and get you to think that you stay where you are. You're just a nobody. Oh boy, how many people am I talking to today? whose lives have come to later parts in the 50s, 60s and 70s and said, it ain't over for you. But you've just allowed yourself to be boxed in and just raise your kids and then just amble through life. A mundane, stuck in a rut life. Well, I'm here to tell you today, you're about to explode out of it. I'm here to tell you that you weren't meant and born just to live in a rut and just make it through and sit back and watch tally and watch all the news and you have your own comments trapped up in your lounge. But nothing else happens beyond the four walls of your house. Well, I'm telling you, you need to get out of your house, get out of where you are and start shaking and breaking loose, turning it around. You know, you talk about this, so he's coming. David doesn't need, I, I love this whole thing about him. There's so much I want to say. 
But the first thing he does when he responds to this, the brother Eliab, you've got to watch out for the Eliab spirit because he says to him now, and he goes into, you should be with those sheep, so he's, he's now belittling him, he's mocking him, he's, he's, he's just saying, pushing his thing out. See, there's a certain swag and also a, a, um, a strut that's wrong. Eliab's strut was the one of the world. His strut was the image strut, the, the social status strut. Oh, there's all sorts of struts out there. So he met David's strut, right? Here's a, this is the posture, the disposition fight. This is the one where one has been anointed with oil and he's audacious. David carries an audacity. Audacity means just the daring spirit. He's daring, he's cheeky, he's adventurous. He doesn't have anybody's, you know, sort of, uh, I guess, forcing themselves on him to change. Right? He's not affected by that. So he walks in with this self-confident, brave, audacious spirit. It's, it's, a, it's a strut. Everybody notices it as soon as he walks in and his big brother, his family, work on him first. So he sees him and he says, I know you. There we go. Some of you know that, but you need to know that I know you. And he says, you are proud and arrogant. It's the words he uses in that verse, probably behind me. You're proud and you're arrogant. So now Eliab begins to call what is brave and bold as arrogant and proud. Some, sometimes you can be with people who have gone so far down into the pit of weakness, right? And they've all sort of brought in to a very, um, I would say, uh, a disposition that says we need to put a, a humility out there. So we're humble, you know. Yeah? That didn't go too well with you. Yeah. Let me explain it. False humility. So they, they've got to a point where because they're not brave, they lack, they're cowards. I'm straight. Give it to you straight, all right? And you should not express yourself so you can be free because you're concerned about how people will think about you expressing you. So, so many Kiwis for so long have been bound up in their personalities and you're on ice because you've feared so long, been brought up in a, generationally in some houses, families and generational thing now, be still, be quiet, say nothing. We don't say anything and, and don't express yourself, right? Because there's no emotion showed. There's no encouraging for you to be loud and proud. It's better to be confined and bound. So many children's spirits are shut down in their first five years. Did you notice that a child has a free spirit? They want to express. They'll get into everything. 
even crying and shouting or talking, they, they quickly want to express. They don't want to stay there. But little children run and they, their natural thing is to be happy, to express and to play. It is parents who start shutting them down, whether it's by default or accidentally or purposely. And that's why the enemies come in to put abuse into families. So they're shutting their spirits down, stopping them to getting this, that they can be a fully expressive spirit without any feelings of uh, being wrong or bound or under the spirit of others who are saying you need to shut down and shut up. This is the whole thing of the basis of free speech that our government's trying to shut down. Free speech is really just a free expression of you as a person. I ain't a robot and I'm not going to be a robot. You should be free to express you. Your personality is valuable to the team because there's not another you. We need you because there'll never be another you. There'll never be another me or you. I've, I've said this many times. But the, to reinforce this, David came as exactly 100% him. He didn't worry him that he wasn't trained in the army. It didn't worry him that he wasn't, the sheep are less important than about a monster is about to take us into a, a political a slavehood. You understand what I'm saying? Forget the job, he says. What's more important is my kid's future. So he stands there and he says, you're arrogant and you're proud. He's misconstrued because David came from a situation in uh, 1 Samuel 16, 12, where they had anointing service. The oil of anointing was going to be attracted to a certain presence and then a person. Did you get that? Because you remember when Samuel came and God says, I have found me a man. I have got him. I've got the man. I've got the one. Now, when I get you to be with them, there's eight of them. So you're going to have to listen. I'll tell you which one it is. Oh, I love this. He's not chosen by a committee again. He's not, father and the brothers all went into a direction and thought it was the, the eldest one, Eliab, or at least Shammah, the next one, or, you know, uh, the others. But when they got there, Samuel's whole judgment was based on presence. None of them gave a resume. None of them talked about, well, I, I've been a Christian for 50 years and I've done this and that. And no talking about your relationship with God. See, David's the same when he goes to the battlefield. He doesn't talk about his relationship with God. He doesn't talk about his, his what uh, you guys would do this. We'd all, hey, I've been a Christian for so-and-so. I've done this and that. It's a shame we have to do that. You know, you know what I'm saying? And you'd be all saying that if we're going to choose somebody, surely we should know, this is what Christians want to do. We want to know how much uh, accolades they've had and how much... PhDs behind them and oh they've been there and they've done that that's probably a warning not to touch them <laughs> I know some of you are not going to like this but you've got to hear it because it's God's word they, they were qualifying themselves on all the wrong things David's on the outside he's so thought about <laughs> they forgot about him and they left him outside with sheep it's hardly an academic. Hardly any prestige with it. But he judges on presence. 
When I meet people, I feel them. I know what it is, you see. Uh, what's, what's coming off them before I get into their vicinity of talk range? Talk, their talk's not going to convince me in any way. I'll feel it. And my gut tells me, my intuition, which works for my spirit, so my brain doesn't get in my way and gets clouded with all the usuals. I try and discern it. My first impression is usually the best one. Sometimes it's wrong, but very rare. And you pick them up by the way they walk, talk, what's been emitted and transmitted off them. Well, after all, aren't we spiritual? Aren't we, isn't the spirit the most important part? The soul is also an unseen, invisible part. So two-thirds of the human you're meeting is unseen. And we mostly make our judgments on the one-third of the human. Body, soul, and spirit, I'm talking about. So here's the soul and spirit, the invisible part, and you just got the physical part. That's the false part, usually. And we make all our decisions. Samuel said, oh, Eliab, because on the physical side, he looked at the image. The swag of that boy was the swag of the world. Physical, muscle building, you know, tone it up, look in the part, you know, image, and that's what the world runs on. How I'm accepted on those levels, that, that carnal, that carnal swag. You can pick it up in the eyes and the body and everything else. Don't confuse it, though, like... Saul was confusing the proud of arrogance to David with the proud that I am God's man. There is a pride you should have in yourself. We use pride usually as a negative. No, 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 no. You can have your negative pride. My pride is I believe in me. I have, I, I have pride in who I am. There's a certain level of dignity. Dignity. And who I am. And I won't be put down. I won't be th thought of in a nice way or turn it around and make them feel inferior. <laughs> it's like you guys, hey, Joseph, you know, he was the same. Before the day's out, you'll be giving me a knee. Because you were arrogant. You dropped me. You thought less of me. You thought little of me. You so devalued me. You sold me for 30 pieces, whatever it was, I think it was 30, bits of silver. You sold me for a little bit of money. So I'm going to have my day a little bit. When you come, you'll come right around. It'll be some 15 years later, but you will give me a knee. Jesus said the same thing. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that I, Jesus Christ, am Lord. So you can be as proud as you like down here. You won't give a knee to my Lord, but you will be forced to. So it's better to do it sort of now peacefully and humbly. Otherwise you're gonna be made to before you go off down the, down the alleyway where it's very hot, right? Okay, so here he is. Let's, keep, let's get moving. He's chosen by presence. And he made a mistake. Samuel was whispered in the ear from God in Samuel's ear and he said, wrong one, you chose wrong. See, you gotta be careful who you think is the one. So many times you put so many others before the one. 
eight choices, eight times. How long does it take for somebody to know that's the place you should be? That's the people you should be with? That's the guy we should have had? That's, <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? It takes so long, but it did. He did it. Don't worry. Mercy in that there. We've all made those mistakes. But the thing is, Samuel got it. He said, you, you'll know him, not by him giving his testimony, not by him coming in and telling about his relationship with God. It was so good, relevant. Out in the backside of the desert, he wrote all the book of Psalms and much of the other books of the Old Testament David did, but he did not come in blowbagging. He didn't say a word. When he walked into the room, he says, is there another? That's what, he, that's what the prophet said. Is there another son? Because he's not in the lineup. That guy's, that guy's swag is wrong. That's a business swag. That swag's wrong too. That swag's a gang swag. That swag's wrong too. That's an up yourself swag. That's a money swag. None of these swags have got it. And Eliab's swag is the worst. The spirit of Eliab does not like anybody that looks good in God. <laughs> so, David comes in through the door. He said, he said to them even, you, you guys, none of us are sitting down. I love this. Because after a while, you get to the, your, your bottom choice. Oh dear, you know, it's, um, it's two-day Marshall all the time, you know. It's Kaiwi, you know. It's, it's actually Talar, you know. It's Hannah Tamaki. It's Destiny Church. It's the church of the sun. It's the, that church. It's the, whatever. It's that person. The one we left out and we keep, keep pushing aside. And yet all the time after we had to go through seven other failures and we finally get to the guy that's outside the back smelling like sheep dung and he's got a sheep thing then. He's got a lion thing across here. He's got a bear jacket and he's got two shangheis hanging off the side of his hips. <laughs> he busts into the doors. He's red and shiny. His eyes are bright. His face glows with something. He's just, you can, you don't need any words from that person. He, he walks in and for a moment the whole world stands still. Not just the house, the whole world must have, and God must have stood up out of his throne. And he says, that's the one. And then before David could know it, not a word spoken, everything was seen. You think that posture's nothing? You think the way you present yourself, what's coming out of you, not what you're saying out of your mouth. Actually, I get less and less when I hear people's mouths until they change to a place where I can read you just by looking at you. I can feel you. I can feel your yes and no by even not opening your mouth. And when you do you open your mouth, oh, it's glorious. Isn't that good? Oh, Facebook would take notice of that little paragraph. Everybody shut up on there until we, you've got something to say because you've got a life that speaks without words. Everybody's got talk, but very few have got walk. Oh, I'm saying something here. It's amazing how many people talk and they've got nothing around them. Nobody, nobody following, nobody 
that they could say that they've really helped even. And you're giving me all the advice? And I haven't said a word yet, but I've listened to you for 10 minutes telling me about your dream for me? Happens. David just stood there. Bang. Presence. Posture. Disposition. It was saying, I got this thing. I'm the one you're looking for. I will defeat the enemy. I am here to win, not lose. I love people. I will lead these people to a better day and a better tomorrow. I will establish the kingdom of God. That's what his posture was saying. You can rely on me. I might slip in here and there, but I will bring God's people back to their former glory. I will take on the Philistines, the Gergesites, the Hittites, and all of the rest, and I will lead my people. I will build one of the most greatest armies the world has ever seen on this earth. I will build soldiers of exceptional and extraordinary supernatural power. I will bring back God to this nation. I will raise up heroes. I will rewrite things. I will bring all of the resources to build the house of the Lord. I am the man that will be faithful to you, God. I will be a king. That was all coming out of him without a single word. No, you didn't hear that. All those words I had to tell you because you couldn't feel it. Your walk tells me a lot about you. I'm not saying, you know, there's nobody walking like this these days. Mind you, 400 years of slavery will get you bent over. So if you've been brought out of such slavery, I've broken your bands. Well, and he says, I'm gonna get you, I'm gonna make you stand tall, straight and walk with the gate prance through life. Do not bow your head in in defeat. Do not let anybody stare you down. Don't let others come over you. But nicely and sweetly stand there and your presence, your authority and your audacity will come through. Isn't that a great thing? Let's put our hands together for that. Look, um, He moves from him, he goes quickly, and I'll just wrap this up in five. He comes across Saul, this is the other one, between Goliath, the one that's gaslighted, and this is the one that we heard about before, who brings a narrative of fear and control that comes from Goliath. Those people that wanna control your life, be careful of people who want to wrap you up in their world by leaning on you, depending on you. Be careful about codependence, people that wanna always ring you, and not stand on their own two feet. You're always giving and they give, they're always taking. Somewhere on the line, you must get people to follow after you. If they really want help, come and follow me. And then lead them all the way to where everybody else is feeding. Lead them to a place where there's many. And that way the transformation comes from many people, not just one. Introduce people quickly to the father of the house. Introduce them quickly to the worship and the praise and the Word of God. Bring them into man up and legacy. See, all of these help them uh, change their associations, their lifestyle, and they get to where they're going. Goliath tries to stop all of that. What about the sting of Saul's, the stings? This is nasty. Saul was nasty. Nasty, jealous people. There'll be plenty of them in your life, around you, everywhere, you're gonna find nasty, jealous people. 
Those demons are the most prolific. They live comfortably in a mouth of a sinner and a saint. <laughs> they live with whānau, family and friends very well. And they, I mean, most of the times you will not be fooled, deceived or belittled by strangers. You're more likely to not listen to a stranger, but listen to a friend or a family member. Their close proximity and their intimacy makes you a perfect victim and easy to get into your life and your head. So the sting of Saul was that when David said, this is what I'm going to do, and the first thing that he tries to do, those people, is tell you why you can't do that. I actually grew up more in my early Christian years and got stronger by people telling me what I couldn't do. And then I learned that, that by their mistakes of what they were doing, I learned what not to do. That's how I fast-tracked my learning, was learning by others' experience of what they were doing that was good and what wasn't good. What was successful and wasn't successful. So sometimes you have to stay in a dysfunctional place to see all that you shouldn't do. I was in a dysfunctional little church when I started. I'm being honest. My family all left because it had wrong leadership and people who were nasty in there. But I said to Hannah, I said, we stay here. And the pastor, this is where I was brought, and I'll stay here. My season is to be here so I can learn to buckle under even wrong leadership. But at least I am, I am, I am affirming and I am humbly coming under a leadership of elders and pastors that were dysfunctional. That doesn't mean to say, you know, people just go and hop everywhere at the first sign of pressure, good or bad. I stayed because I thought one day if I get anywhere, and I want people to do this, that if, you, if I wasn't true to leadership, then I'll carry that spirit in me. And that it works without words. I, I wouldn't be able to build strong the type of sonship and to be a strong relational leader and bringing people into good, you know, positive relationships of sonship. You couldn't do it. I'd just be a pastor over a whole lot of people. That wasn't my goal. So to do that, I had to be faithful even to a bad leader. Even Jonathan and, you know, David, they served Saul and Saul threw spears at David. He still stayed as long as he could until he had to go on the run. And even when he could kill a leader that was rejected by God, he had the sword in his army and his two top soldiers said, run him through right now with a spear and cut his head off. And David said, no. This is the Lord's anointed. Even though God has left him, he was still used. He still had a, an anointing, even though it was not now relevant. David was doing more for him than to him. He was respecting God's anointing. Isn't that beautiful? If I was God, I would have said, man, I'm gonna, I want that guy. I want David. I want this fella. I mean, if I told him to kill him, he probably wouldn't. He said, no, Lord, is he anointed? Even though he was a horrible, anointed, nasty person. What about when you find a good anointed guy? 
God, I don't know. He walked away and he left them. Said, I will not touch him. Don't, don't touch God's anointed. And he was a backslidden anointed. Okay. The nastiest things. They will keep you small. So you never potentially find the big God that you are looking for in you. God is bigger in you, but you have to be big enough inside in places of your heart and life to facilitate the bigness of God. But while you're small, you can't have a big God working in you. You reduce him to your size. I'm, I'm saying something here. So what Saul said to David was, you are not able. You cannot. Those are the worst words, negative words that you can ever say to anybody, especially your own children or a husband and wife. Talking like that to each other sabotages their ability to ever live or walk and their potential, their fullness, all their happiness. It's taken away. And many people are living lives, walking with a stone in their shoe. It's hard, eh? It's just, I get bothered when I get a stone in my boot or my shoe. Everybody's got to stop for that one little pebble, stone. One little object in your shoe or your boot. You, your whole life shuts down and you sit down and you want to get rid of that. But not, not us, not humans. They rather walk through limping through life and end up a loser. It's called loser's limp. <laughs> that ain't the posture you want. When I walk into the room, David walked into the room. Whew, he sucked all the oxygen out of the room. Every head looked. People went, Whoa. I test my relevancy, but when I walk into a strange room and I do it on purpose, I walk in. <laughs> and you see them. And I do, and I keep walking like a prince. And I'll sit down with my wife, and make sure I pull the chair out, be a man because they're watching. And I sit down and I sit there and I look around on the table. I'm doing all that. I don't have to tell everybody. This is, I'm inviting you into my closet, thank you. So as I always do, you have your own thoughts. If you, whatever you think about me, it's not my business. I don't really care. I only care about me, my business in here. Because I've got to live with me, not you. Right? So, so I'm sitting there and I think, okay, this, what's truly your thoughts, Brian? I am, the thing I take is always humble, right? And I'm not quick to try and find people. I'm not quick to get up or anything like that. I'm not the mouth at the table. I sit there in myself. That's all you need to do. Sometimes that's what he was good at, Jesus. Just stood and looked. They, there was a heated moment and they brought the lady who was caught in the act of adultery. And they were screaming, yelling, stoning. What did he do? He was silent, just looked at the situation then he knelt down and bent down and did some drawing on the ground. Started, he just thought about some childhood thing, picture, and he started drawing. 
I don't know if you'd be very cryptic about this or mysterious. I think he was just going, I wonder what I'm going to say. And he kept going like this and it made everybody go, stop, you see. Sometimes you've got to be a showstopper. And he's going, I don't know. How these dudes here have all sinned, I bet you. What if I put it back on them? How can I say that? Oh, he said, let the first one without sin cast the first stone. That's what I say. And then he says, what I just... And all of them like, oh God, got a big rock in their hand. Here she is. And they all walked away because, well, the other day I just did the same thing. <laughs> it's like... He used their own conscience to smite them. Wow, I love this guy. Get up, woman. No, I don't have anything against you. You go and sin no more. That's it. Beautiful. All right. That's the one I'm, that's the God one. Everything about me is about Christ. I'm going to show him, talk him, live him. I, I'm on, I may be on the last stretch of my life in my, in my natural, biological, physical years, but it's the best stretch. I got no, nothing to prove. I got, no, I got nothing to prove, absolutely nothing. I don't need to get, try and go to the top. I'm already at the top of my game. The king in his castle and his army, I got my army. I got my great followers. Why? I, so I got no insecurity. I got no, nothing to try and get. Parliament, I don't want to be sitting in there. Others do though, but I want to bring Christ back. I want every knee to bow and every tongue to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And, and that's our mission together. I, I want to tell you today, look, watch out. But more than watching out, just keep an eye on your walk and know this, that you have no reason to walk as a loser. You don't have to walk by the opinions and how they feel. And that walk doesn't have to be anything outrageous or expressive like I said. I mean, David had it. He really, he just knew that when he walked in there, all he had to do was be his good, godly, anointed, brash, cheeky, you know, full of faith, confident, brave, courageous, audacious self. That's all. And nobody can put you down for that. It's not just thinking it and saying it, it's actually being it. Walking it, talking it. But at the same time, you don't need to tell everybody. Like I'll go back down, put a pair of shorts on and a singlet and probably go and cut some grass I did the other day. Have a look at the pigs, but all the time I'm thinking about tomorrow. All the time I'm pulling on what God wants next. What can I sharpen, what can I do? Every moment you've got, don't get caught up swagging into the world again, worrying about and talking rubbish. And you know, you've got a mission. You're firstborns. Okay, let's stand. Thank you so very much. God bless you, Father. I pray today, as we leave this place, just another way of saying that Father, you have made us aware of certain things that are around us. We don't want those three people sabotaging our future. So, God, I thank you. We need to probably go over it again. But this is it. I pray that you bless every person here. 
And if there's somebody here today who doesn't know Jesus Christ, this is the place and the opportunity for you and online to ask Christ in your life. If you want Jesus today, pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, come into my life now. I need you. Forgive me of all my sin. Thank you now. I'm a part of your great family. In Jesus' name, amen. That's it. You're done. It's safe. Let us know. Let somebody know near you. Come up and see somebody or online. Get in contact with us. Rest of you, go and eat well, think well, believe well, and we will be in action again very shortly. God bless.